wonder how long I can get Hey, Susan, what's up? I'll put up, I'll send a link to you. What's up? Happy Friday, everybody. Um, so what's up, Jane Stewart? How are you, Rachel? Good to see you. Happy freaking Friday. I see Susan Day in the window. I am, Saudi is the best. I hope I don't get shut off of Facebook for playing that for 45 seconds because that was more fun. I love that song. I love Sade. I love everything but the girl. I like some weird, like random like music. I don't know, but I love Sade. Um, so I, in the spirit of going to bed at a normal hour, getting up at 5 a.m., driving to San Diego to go to an event, I figured, well, what better way to spend my night than with you guys? And we would talk about whatever. I already forgot the subject I picked, but we would just invite random people to be on the show. And so I'm going to put the link on here. And if you guys want to join the show, you can. If you want it through Messenger, I can do that too. What's up, Jody? Aaron, good to see you. Um, I'm going to bring Susan Day on in just a second, but I got to tell you. So I think what spawned this is that I emceed an event today, <clears throat> and I didn't get to talk as much as I want. And the one, the, really the thing that I got to do, and, and again, emceeing about elevating other people's messages, and it's one of my favorite things in the world to do. But I also like to kind of put my own spin on things. I like to really get to showcase my personality and because it's something I really care about doing. I love doing it. It's it's so much fun elevating other people's messages. But instead, I got a treat. And it's kind of funny how God works because, you know, getting different experiences and getting to, to try new things. But today I got to interview four women on a, pa a panel and I didn't know I was doing it. So I got to make up random questions. It was really fun. Like, I don't know if you've ever done it. What's up, Christina? I don't know if any of you have ever done that, um, but it's so much fun. And these women were just powerhouses. And, and, and as I've shared with you guys before, like, what's up, Cynthia? How are you? I, um, I am dressed up. I've been emceeing an event. But I am, so I've shared this before on the show, but for those of you who are new, and there's a lot of you that are new because we're growing really fast. Hi, Bonnie. Good to see you. Um, my grandmother and my mother, especially my mom, especially my mother, my mother is the biggest influence in my life. I love my mom. I love my mother. And I'm like writing this book and I'm looking at the last chapter that I'm writing and I'm just remembering how disappointed that I had to have made her when I'm sitting in jail the sixth time. And and just all of the heartache that I put my mom through. And yet my mom has just stayed there and loved me. Like, how is that possible? Have you ever, I'm curious if any of you out there have ever felt like you were just such a bad kid or a, a bad adult and you made such bad decisions? I wish that bird would stop. It's really not fun, bird. Anyway, have you ever just felt like you were unlovable by your parents? Like you were just so bad that you didn't deserve love? Yeah. Like my mom is so freaking awesome. Thank you for sharing, Jody. So anyway, 
I didn't get to talk that much, but so the point of then saying that they are uh, the biggest influences in my life is because when I saw those women on the panel and all of the women entrepreneurs that were in the audience at this event, I thought to myself, that's pretty badass because that's a lot of my moms running around. And I personally think that like, I know how my mom is um, like the world, like more women stepping into their power like that and would make the world a better place. And so I was really inspired by that. I don't, I got dogs barking, the crazy Pomeranians, you got freaking whatever. Anyway, so let's bring Susan on the show. I've never talked to Susan before, so this will be fun. What's up, everybody? What's up, Susan Day? Hello, Hello. How, are how are you? I'm chilling. I'm chilling. It's Friday. I'm going to go to bed early and I'm going to get up early and drive to San Diego. And then I'm going to come back to LA on Sunday. Life is good. I can't complain. And I feel like, oh, another thing, Susan, I feel like I'm getting ready to move. I don't know why. Why, why is that dog freaking out? I feel like I'm getting ready to move again. And I don't know why, but I feel like that's about to happen. So how are you, Susan? I'm doing awesome. You were talking about how your mother waited for you to get Hold things on two going seconds. in your okay i'm listening keep talking how Joy. your mother was waiting for you to get things going in your life and is there for you yes absolutely okay well let me tell you a little story okay okay so this is from the mother's perspective all right okay my son ran away from home when he was like 16. he was missing for well let's say he's 40 now I found him last year. What? It wow. Was a, it was a miracle. Okay, so so three years ago, three years ago, my husband, who was emotionally abusive, abandoned me homeless beside the road. Okay. While I was homeless, I found my son. What? God, God does weird things, right? Like that's that's crazy, but awesome. My son is a paranoid schizophrenic, and spent most of his life on the streets, hiding under bushes and sleeping under whatever he could find to sleep under. And I looked for him for years. And when I was homeless, I found him. So I brought him to an abandoned house of my mom's. Hi everyone, that I was staying in an abandoned house of my mom's at the time. And I started volunteering to make food boxes at a place that uh, it takes a lot of work to do that. I'm telling you, but uh, I was doing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was helping to make food boxes, and my son walked in front of the building that I was working in. I knew, I knew wow. if I brought him home. Hi, Jody. I knew if he brought, if I brought him home, I knew because of his disability that he would try to attack me and hurt me. And that's what he did. But I brought him home anyway, because I'm his mom. And that's what moms do. Right, ladies? Holy crap, Susan. Seriously. So what's, tell us what your relationship with your son's been like now. So, so my son tried to attack me. The police came. I was locked in, my, in the bedroom where he couldn't get to me. They came just like on TV with four or five police cars and the bullhorns and the whole bit screaming at my son through those bullhorns, trying to get him to let me out 
my son was flipping them off. And I mean, he was literally flipping off the police. And my son let me out. I grabbed my purse and my dog and I ran. But even though I was scared on the outside, in my heart, I was happy as could be because I knew this was the beginning of the end of him being homeless and on the streets and doing all those things to himself. Because I knew that they would make him get the help that he needed because now he was a danger to someone else. Okay, so do you regret finding your son? Never. Awesome. So you still have nothing but love for him. underneath, uh, Even though your son attacked you, you have nothing but love for him. Absolutely. Even, God, while, he was, crazy. even it, while he was trying to hurt me, I felt that way. My love for my son never wavered one second. That is amazing. So let me ask you this. Did you ever give up hope in all that time that you were separated from your son up until the time you found him when he was homeless? Did you ever just say, I give up and just quit, like just block it, block him out of your mind? Never. So you lived with the torment of going, my son is out there somewhere. I'm going to find him for how many years? He was 17 or 18 when he disappeared. And when I found him, he was almost 40. Holy Susan, have you, what have you done to take care of yourself? Like, seriously, what I have you done? Like, cause you've put, you've been through a lot, sister. I can't imagine. Like I'm thinking about my mother and how much she loves me, which is almost offensive how much she loves me. And, and I know how she would be if I wasn't around. You did that for, I'm not, I suck at math. You did it for a really long time. You did it for someone's lifetime, basically. Yes. Wow, Susan. Holy crap. My, I don't son, even my son was, was sticking needles in his arms. He was doing, um, first he was doing heroin and then he was doing meth. And there was nothing that I could do. If he was not willing to get the help that he needed, unless he was a danger to himself or others, no one would help. No one. Not even my husband. Golly. My daughter and I both suffered together through all of that and grabbed a hold of each other. And we're the only two that kept, kept him in the forefront. And we're the ones that were his cheerleaders and hoping and praying the whole time he was gone. Susan, you know there's a special place in heaven for you, right? <laughs> I, I got to tell you something. So I, and, and just a, a way of relating, it's a little bit, actually, it's a lot different, but I want to ask you, I'm, I'm, I'm leading, I'm telling this story to ask you a question. Okay. So I used to work with complex disabilities for years. Um, so cerebral palsy, ALS, muscular dystrophy, um, you name it, spinal cord injuries. But there was one situation I remember, um, there was this little woman who had crippling arthritis. She probably weighed 90 pounds, if that, uh, had a massive hunchback, just again, just crippled basically, but she was able to walk. She had a son that was like 36, 37 years old that had spastic uh, cerebral palsy and had major contractions. I think I'm saying this is right. I, I, it's been a long day. Anyway, but basically all he could do was lay in his crib and he could not talk. He, he could, you know, make noises, but I'm not going to mimic them. 
and 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 it seemed like to me the most miserable existence on the planet. And I asked the mom one time, he said, why does like why does he stay alive? He's got to be miserable. And he goes and she said he, he loves his mama. And I said, do you ever like you're taking care of him by yourself? Like, do you ever like just go want him to, to go peacefully because there can be no quality of life? And, 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 and she looked at me, I remember, and like, there's more, there's more dialogue that went on, but she looked at me, she goes, all I ever wanted was a little boy. They told me I couldn't have a little boy. They told me I couldn't have a kid. And I had my baby and I had my little boy and I've got to take care of him for all of his life. What more could a mother ask for? And I'm like, anytime I want to forget that I have a purpose on this earth, or I hear anyone else saying, I don't have a purpose, I have no meaning, I, I, I want to remind you that, yeah, you're, you, you, you are put here on this planet to be a gift to someone else. That could be literally one person, or it could be five billion. But you were yeah. put on this earth to be a gift to someone else. Yes. And that I cannot think of a better example of you, my friend, and of the lady I just told you about. Now, the question, I guess, is, are you able to look at your the situation with your son and his mental health issues and then being on the streets and dealing with addiction? Are you able to find a place where you're able to thank God for the situation that you're in? Or just say, or well, let me tell you that um, after they they waited to arrest my son for a couple of weeks because they said they would have to kill him if they went after him because he was so aggressive at that point. Oh, my God. And two weeks later, they arrested him, put him in the hospital. The judge forced him on medication. He's been on medication for a year. And this week, he moved into his very first apartment. Oh, I'm sorry, but praise God. That's amazing. Are you speaking on stages, Susan? That's my goal. Okay. So I have a lot of people in the professional speaking world. I just left an event. Any, if you, any of you are watching it right now or listening on the podcast um, or on internet radio, like you, you heard her story. That's, that's just <laughs> Let's get her on stage. Lauren Harris. If you are seeing this, you should talk to her. I think I think Lauren Harris can help you. I, you wrote I a book, a, right? You wrote a book? I, I wrote a book. It's called Pain Has No Boundaries. I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. I was raped when I was 12 and hit in the head with a rock, and I've had seizures my whole life. When I was, when, when I was 17, after my baby was born, my first husband tried to hurt my son. I believe that that is why he has paranoid schizophrenia is because of the abuse. I grabbed my son and ran. And the second man in my life that I trusted, that's the father to my daughter, held me down and forced a drug down my throat because he wanted his friends to be able to rape me during his party that he was having. And they took my kids away for a year. My last husband after, let's see, we got married in 1981. And so three years ago, because of his bipolar that we did not realize he had, he abandoned me homeless beside the road. How are you not? Hold on. 
I'm assuming here. The first time how are you? How are you not a train? No, whoa, 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 whoa. How are you not a train wreck? Like, what in the world got you through this? You were not a train wreck. You're smiling. You have this this aura of joy all around you. I've seen your lives. You're just so chill. Like, how how have you not ended up becoming a little off? To put well, it nice. The first time I tried to take my own life, I was 12. Okay. Okay, I, and, so, I don't... and that's happened a few times. And then after, when my husband abandoned me was about the time I discovered speakers on Facebook. It's my speakers that saved my life, that turned my life around, that gave me the information that I needed so that I could apply it in my life and I could grow. So that's a proof, so correct me if I'm wrong, but that is a testament to everyone's message needs to be heard by somebody because obviously not every speaker resonated with you, but some did. So that's prime example, Bonnie. What's up, Robert? Bonnie, this is a prime example of why I tell you that you have a lot to say in the comment section of people's lives, but really you have a voice that people need to hear and you have a message that people need to hear. You've had a rough go in life. Your message could help other people, thus making you feel better about the shit that you went through. And Susan, you telling your story, it's its something that it, it, it empowers other people. Am I right? What's up, Teresa? Exactly, exactly. My my hope for my book, I, I wrote that book when I was in my 20s. And I was um, going through the therapy for childhood sexual abuse. And I wrote poetry instead of writing a ledger or a diary or whatever you want to call it. I wrote poetry instead. And I carried those poems with me from the time I was in my early 20s until wow. last year when in February I became a published author and published my book. The theory of my book, that the point of my book is that you read some of the poetry that's on abuse and it's like watching a sad movie and it gets your emotions going and you feel the feelings that you were not allowed to feel as a child when you were being abused. And then my daughter's beautiful photography is in that book also. So you read poetry that gets your feelings going and, and gets the pain moving through you. And then you zone out into the photography and just kind of let that pain float out and float away into the distance. And it's working and it's helping people. Susan, you're amazing. I want to do, I want to do a formal show with you though. I don't want to run it all here because I have like 5 million questions and I want to dedicate. I have my ADD is too bad right now to talk to here. And like, I want, I want to like, I want to like talk to you. So Absolutely. if you would do me the honor of being a guest, like a featured guest on my show, I would love that. It would I didn't be know. an honor for me. It would be an honor for me because of what I'm trying to do in my life is, my whole life now is dedicated to speaking and helping others, including my children and myself. Because if I can change my life around from where I have been, if I can go through everything I've been through, I mean, trying to take your life at 12 years old is a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got a, you have a few, few, like you've, you've like, there was like seven things that you, you brought up tonight that were like, that most people's like finishing point. Yeah. I, 
I want to give you the proper respect, Susan, by ending this now so I can have you as a featured guest because I want all of my friends in speaker land to know who you are because your story, I thought my story sucked. I mean, mine was self-inflicted, a lot of it. I mean, my childhood stuff wasn't, but for the most of my life, it was self-inflicted. I thought my stuff was, no, Susan, I want to expose you to as many people as possible that need to hear your story. So if you would be, I humbly ask you, would you be a guest on my show, Gratitude Unfiltered, at a, like a, where it's just me and you? Absolutely. Anytime. Okay. I'll be in touch. Susan, thank you. Absolutely. Have, and have thank a wonderful you. weekend. I, and I'll, for I'll be all in touch. your guests, I just want to say that every single one of you are made special. There's something special about you that someone else doesn't have. And that's what you need to show the world. Because if I can go through what I've been through in my life, just think what you can do with yours. Amen. Susan, you're amazing. I'll be in touch, okay? I promise. Okay, thank you so much. No, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, this is, this is proof. Um, this has happened a couple times on the show where, look, there's a lot of people that come on the show that have credentials, that have, they have books, they have, they've been speaking all over the world, they've been on TV, they've been on radio, they blah, 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 blah. But this is hashtag Caleb Strong, by the way, because that was another time. I mean, a woman that was in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know where Susan lives, but like where in the middle of nowhere, there was this woman who lost her son and like lost her son and had an 80 surgery, something insane. And she went and took on Congress. Like she went out and made like in the middle of nowhere, super small town population, Del Taco, because that's, I swear, that's all that's in that city is a Del Taco. And, and it's on the way to Vegas. But she, like, she, like, she has done, like, could, she had a benefit concert with Vanilla Ice. Like, she literally created something out of nothing. Susan lives in Oregon. What's up, Penny? How are you? Char, good to see you. And, it, like, seriously, she didn't say, I'm not in a big city. She didn't say, no, I'm not in New York. No, I'm not in L.A. No, I'm not in Dallas. No, I'm not in Miami. She, I, she's in a town I can't even probably pronounce the name. And she literally has, like, done something to change the world. She's got laws changed on behalf of babies. Babies so special. Susan, you're amazing. So this is another thing. Like, it doesn't matter where you are in the world now because the technology. You can be in bum F uh i don't want to insult any state let's just say no one no one lives in nebraska nebraska is actually a lot like oklahoma where i'm from um anyway you could be in the, from the middle of nowhere like population five right and but odds are you've got a story you had a story that like literally can shift somebody's perspective to go well damn my life's not so bad after all even if it's that Self, that's kind of selfish, honestly. It, 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 it is a little selfish to go, well, my, it, my, <laughs> at least my stuff's not as bad as theirs. But at the same time, there's it's a human nature to go, oh, okay, that's inspiring. Or 
sometimes it's your story empowers somebody to step up and speak out and allows them to come out of the shadows. I've, I've shared over and over and over again since we started the new show form, format. And who want, by the way, if you want to join the show, just let me know. I'll send you a link. Um, like my whole mission, I've been at a networking event today with all of these like really successful entrepreneurs. And some of them are like, want to be successful, but you know, whatever they go to the events to meet people so that they can become successful. Well, there's a great event, actually really great event, but we did this networking game where you go around and you basically meet everybody and find out what they need. And like, and you figure out, Oh, Jane, woohoo. Awesome. This, that makes me happy, Jane. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Um, but in the networking game, people talk about what they do as business. And I'm like, I don't talk about what I do in business. I connect people. I have access to like anything that you need professionally. I can help you with. I can get, I have the relationships. That's why they call me the world mayor. And I'm not making it up either. I'm being serious. Like this is, I really, really, really love putting people together for win-win-win collaborations. But my whole mission and the only reason I want to breathe is because I want to bring people out of the shadows, including shining a light on mine. Because if I do that, I can't hide. So I'm going to read you something. I'm going to read you guys. So you guys know I'm writing a book, right? I'm going to read you a little something for my book today. Are you cool with that? Can I get a yes if you're okay with hearing one, two, three paragraphs out of my book tonight? You want to hear it? Because it's really happening. Would you like to hear it? Can I get a yes? Can I get a no even? <laughs> Is someone going to say yes or no? God, these comments are slow. Uh, Lewis Howes, that's a good one. I don't know if anyone can make that happen. Okay, please. All right, here we go. So I got one yes, so that's good enough. So I'm going to read this. Jane, the link is in your messenger. All right. Ironically, every other attempt I had made in my life to create hell on earth for myself paled in comparison to the first night in jail. This time, oh, this time, I would have loved to exchange pleasantries with a meth head to dedicate my focus to the sunken lips, subtle lisp, or gentle smacking sounds from gumming what's left of his slowly rotting teeth. I would have loved to have fixed my attention on the heavy, rolling, almost incoherent ramblings of a dialect who, from the depth of the pit we are in, thought he had the world figured out. This time, I would have broken bread with a rapist or even a murderer and been grateful for the distraction of my circumstance. Given the chance, I wouldn't have thought past the point of knowing that I wasn't as bad as they were. This time in jail, I longed to meet someone, anyone, whose transgression was worse than mine. Instead, I sat alone listening to the echoing wails of other inmates I couldn't see for myself. I was isolated. However, my unrighteousness was on full display to the most astute audience of all, God and my own moral conscience. In my jail cell, a spotlight burned through the shadows of my life and my habitual inclination to recoil was re re abruptly revoked. I couldn't numb it. I couldn't mask it. I couldn't run from it. I was exposed. This vulnerability kicked my primitive instincts of fight or flight into high gear. And because there was nowhere to run, fight was my only option. This was the, this was the biggest psychological and moral fight I'd ever been in 
and the only weapon my ego was skilled at using was blame. Three chapters. I mean, three paragraphs. So there's your teaser. All right, this is a. I'm I'm excited about this. I love I love this woman. I've never met this woman. What's up, Mike Chavez? <laughs> I've never met this woman, but I I love her, and I tell her I love her, and she may think I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Jane Stewart, I love me some you. Thank you. I love you too. And 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 how great is this today? Because it's perfect timing. <laughs> I'm so excited. Can you hear me okay? I hear you wonderfully. I hear you okay, wonderfully. Okay, good. Great. Well, Great. it's so good well, to see you. I am in just so everybody, wonderful to see everybody. It's a good day. And I love, I wanted to jump on because I thought I would share with that, um, you know, we're, uh, I'm in like not far, but I'm I'm taking care of my mother who's 82 to and I arrived as an emergency last week and I want to talk about mental health with seniors and really it and mental health where it really started and I know we talk about uh, mental health with everybody under the age of 60 here but uh, I thought I'd just bring it up because there's a lot of people I've found in the last week since I've been here who have reached out to me and been very, very generous with just just nice wishes. Because, um, as you know, uh, anybody struggling with mental health and, and illness, but, um, you know, my mother said tonight she wouldn't wish it on her worst enemy. And she's 82. She's had three wonderful children. I mean... There is no perfect family, Joshua. As you know, I've shared stuff with you. And I, I guess I just want to let everybody know that mental health issues with seniors, uh, you know, as we peel back what's going on with doctors, it started with my mother when she was probably very young. And it takes, fortunately, for our generations, even though we keep running at certain you know, we try things with uh, different doctors, different natural things. Um, that generation 80, you know, doesn't really understand how mental health plays a big role in everything. And so, you know, if my mother had just had that opportunity, um, it was a different time back then. And so left untreated, as the doctor said, mental health, if you at least show up and knock at the door, um, there's more opportunities than if you don't. And he said, you know, it's like a cracked egg when you start very young and eventually it gets to be very difficult as a senior to treat because, um, but it is really interesting from a senior's perspective, what she's struggling with, which is some deep rooted, you know, childhood stuff and just high anxiety. I mean, and I, and I know that people here can understand it and Joshua I think, and it really it makes me very sad as a as a as a daughter to to hear your mother say, "This is living hell." Yeah, and she's eighty two, um, and the the I want to die, which we've had a lot of people talk about, and so I, I guess as a caregiver, it's I want to just let everybody know that too. It it affects my mental health too. It's very intense. Um, yes, and it's, um, um, 
and it really may have to be very aware to take care of myself. So I guess I, without going too much, I just want to say that, you know, you've got a parent that's struggling with it, no matter who you are. If you're in the support system, it's up to us to also give self-care and also get help because uh, it's easily can take you down the same, in my opinion, it, I could easily fall into a lot of, so I, I don't know, I just thought I wanted to share that tonight because it's that the anxiety and the wanting to die is very hard to hear from anybody that you love and care for. Sure. And uh, you've often talked about, you know, can this family stick around me? My mother keeps saying, like, just go away. I can't believe you're still here. She's, you know, she's in a reverse role. She's, I'm now caregiving for her. So, in really my mental health, and I'm not, I'm not playing the Joshua. I just know that you're not alone out there with a, with a sibling or, you know, a brother or a mother or father with mental health issues. Please, everybody, get yourself support because without it, yeah, go ahead, John. No, I want to ask you because this is so important because, again, like this is very similar to me talking about like with my borderline personality disorder. And you've actually been on the receiving end of me shifting into my ugly. I mean, you've seen it. Yep. You've seen you've seen this. You haven't seen it full on, but you saw me slipping into it or fighting with it. You caught Absolutely. me in that space. I was on your show. It was very uncomfortable. I've done it to yep. a few people. And I have to be in the right headspace to be able to, I've decided now to go screw it. I'm just going to show it. I don't care anymore. But Absolutely. I, I, I've, I've, I've said a lot of the reason why I've come out and sort of talking about the even uglier things about me that are usually no one sees. The reason why is because of my support system that has been on the other end of the consequences of my actions, whether it was public embarrassment whether it was just, oh, he's in jail again, whether it's, you know, whatever. It, it, it's, 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 I've taken a, I have taken a toll, Tornado Josh, on the people that have tried to love me in my life. And there needs to be awareness for them as well. This is right in line with that. So I'm so happy that you're, you're, you're speaking about this. So thank yeah, you. It, yeah, it, it's a really important, Joshua. You're right. I've experienced it. I've experienced it with my mother. It's it's like a it's an ugly tornado I call it we we joke after it's over, um, but it can be for those of us who are in the support system. My sister suffers with mental health. We talked about that, and um, it's very complicated with her. She's not seeking any kind of help, so it's it, for for family members. Um, it's it, and I and I'm not going to walk away from somebody who's suffering because. It, it is it's it's sometimes out of your control it, it at, at in the moment and so what's really important for us as support systems is to get yourself in front of the right people to each his own could be church it can be a therapist it could be a psychiatrist but in order to support you know yourself through this whole thing whether it's so important because it can easily take you down um, a difficult path so that that's really you know, Josh, what I wanted to share is that it is absolutely heartbreaking. So go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything. I want to know, I want to know what you're doing to take care of yourself, Jane. Um, well, what I'm doing is I'm, cause I'm visiting here 
is I have some really good friends back where just a few provinces away in Canada that I talk to who are who really understand where my family has come from and my sister and my mother. And so they're my big support system. And I also just, I've been to the family doctor who's seen me. So fortunately he, he's just like, yeah, come on down, you know? Uh, so I got an appointment and I think for me, it's, um, it's a lot of like whatever works for me, which is like a walk with the dog, take a break, you have to you have to walk away from the intensity of uh, my mother or my sister and capture d- just get into your own space and it's sort of like maybe meditation in my own way uh, but the support I have to be able to talk to somebody for me there's no way I could walk through this without it so it's I think you know this is a this is a very hi everybody um, I think with mental health. Um, to do it alone, even with the support of my friends, I love them, but I need a step up because this is a myriad of personality disorder. Like it's so, it's beyond my, um, and it's very easy to take everything personally. And so if you start to go down the road, uh, get the support. Um, The worst thing for anybody is to let your ego or anything get in the way of uh, whatever it is for you, it's, I, I do though think that it, you should always start out with a professional, um, because the, the, the other parts, I call it the cake. So the professional is, would be the therapist, the psychiatrist for me. Right. And then the, 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 the under, the under part would be my friends and family that who really are there to support, but loading it on them is a lot too. So yes. the professional is somewhere you can go, as you know, and go, my, my mother is, you know, you can say things that nobody will ever hear again, but that professional can really talk you to different places. So that's my encouragement and love to everybody that you're not alone and that somebody in your family suffers or, or is carrying a lot of mental health issues, get the help you need. It's so important. Remember, you could run across this in your own life if you're, there's a lot of triggers, right, with parents. And if, uh, <laughs> um, if, you leave it, if you leave it alone, you could be putting this on your children. As you know, Joshua, um, get the support you need if you're supporting somebody else because those children, that's a lot to put on them. And so yeah. that would be a lot for my son or my husband or my sisters. They want to support me. But having somebody in, I call it, you know, the back pocket is so important. So, yeah, I make it look easy. It's not, Joshua, as you know. But um, Well, you're just you're, – you're, you're such a blessing to so many other people, Jane, that it's and, – and it's it's something to me that is worth pointing out that it's – like, it's not fake. Like, to do what you do and you, the content you put out and you're happy and you put off this – there is a persona of I'm always joyful. But when you when you see that and have that impression, but then hear that on a personal level, you're struggling, yet you're still finding a way to seek out and not in. Like you are at, you are at but it's so funny, it's so crazy if you think about it. You're you are asking for support and you're 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 making a declaration for support, but at the same time in doing so, 
you're thinking outward. You're still not thinking about yourself. I agree. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing about you. And the why, and this is a, an example, a defining moment of why I tell you I love you. Because I know that you're, di- you're battling with stuff, but yet you still find a way to think out, to love out, to love others, to empower others, to to teach, to guide, to provide value, all while dealing with real life hard crap. I love yeah, it. I, I think that's very kind of you. I think part of that, um, but th- thank you, Richard. Um, I think part of it also is that, you know, I've had health issues, but the thing is, is that Tomorrow is a new day. It, it is absolutely a new day. And I've had people direct message me about people say, I can't possibly be happy all that time. Well, I'm not happy all that time. But <laughs> I also, I'm not. I'm struggling, like you said. But I also feel part of me wants to make sure that everybody knows there's a better, you, by getting the support, it, it definitely, you know, I can spread that joy and happiness. It is because I have reached out and gotten it. Now, without it, it might not be so pretty. But absolutely, Joshua, I struggle. Um, I just share it in a way that um, is a little different than everybody else, I guess. Uh, but I, um, I just didn't want anybody to think if they're out there, whatever it is, as a support system, um, because I know that it's uh, hard on families and really important to get that support. You know, I always say to my friends, don't pass it on to your kids uh, if you can just definitely definitely build your own support system your kids won't be so they have lives to live right yeah get the the support they need so that's that's my two cents for today and i um and you know i i love you um and i really want um i know you know this but i do love you and i support you and i have seen you in dark moments but those with when because i understand it having a sibling like in your shoes, but also because I'm compassionate, um, you didn't, you know, you wouldn't wish this on your worst enemy. And so <laughs> I know, I know that in my heart of hearts, you showing you, you showing up every day is a, is, is you're just standing up and saying, I'm going to give this an opportunity to get better. And, um, I don't do the, I don't know if I do it much justice, making you understand that you do make an impact. Because, um, and I like that you're being yourself. That's really important, I think, for you to just, um, just to move it, shift it to different places. And um, I want everybody to know that um, I think, I do think, Joshua, that it's brave. Sure, you hear that a lot, but it's very difficult to air the ugliness, right? So um, I send my love and support, and I hope that somebody else can come on tonight. And let everybody know that I, you know, I'm here if you need me, direct message me. But uh, that's all I have to say from Vancouver, British Columbia. <laughs> I love you, Jane. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Joshua. Take care. My pleasure. All right, you guys. So I'm going to take a really small break. Oh, wait. Hold on. I'm going to come back. And if you guys want to join the show, uh, if you want to join the show, Just let me know. I'll be I'll be right back.
break all right so how about jane right holy crap she was amazing so yeah jane was absolutely terrific um it's weird the video wasn't that the video quality wasn't good but nonetheless she's she's terrific but that was um wow you know i mean that's powerful i i have to i gotta tell you i mean the people that go I, I, you know, creating content is like, there's, there's a reason, right? There's a why like, yeah, Susan, I like her too. You see like amazing, awesome. I like her. Um, yeah, that's that it, 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 she's amazing like that, but everybody creates content for a reason. They have a, have a purpose. A lot of people I know create content because they're looking to sell something. There's some people that create it because they genuinely want to spread joy or they have a message they want to empower people. It was great to hear Jane. Yes. Jane from the heart. Absolutely. And like Jane is a, she's brilliant in business, but also she brings so much joy and spreads so much joy when she is popping, whether it's on other people's shows or, or, um, you know, she's doing her own lives, which are, you know, religious, she's a gifted woman. And then you hear, about the, the struggles that she's going through. It's tough. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, like I can't say it did any damage at all to me, um, at all. But I do remember how much it sucked when my grandmother, my first grandmother, had to go to a nursing home. And like, so my Mimi Lucille, that we used to go out to this little area um, like off Indian Hills Road in Oklahoma City, or actually, I'm sorry, in in, in, in Norman. Nor it's like Norman Moore now and in Oklahoma. And like we would ride, you know, we would shoot guns, like we'd shoot snakes out of the trees. And it's my, it was our homestead as a family. But my grandmother lived there and, you know, she made these cinnamon rolls and like all of our holidays were there. And it was like in my aunt and uncle, my cousins, my sisters, like my family, this is where my family went, all of them, the, the entire group. It wasn't segregated. It wasn't run by divorce. It wasn't run by death. It wasn't run by infidelity yet. It wasn't run by any of that. It was just, that was our family. And like piece by piece, it was like, it was like one, something went away, an element, an element of like whether, you know, a divorce happened or, you know, um, um, there was a death, but it, it, when she, I remember when she went to a nursing home, which happened first, the family, like the family crest, the family togetherness started to like crack, right? That was the, the breaking point. And I'm sure there would have been another breaking point, but I always think about that. And it was interesting, like just how, how much that sucked. And a lot of it was, it was because of her mental health. That's the point of this. So what James was saying, I relate to, and it sucks. Sad. Like mental health is a sad thing. I mean, that's part of the reason why, like, I, I never wanted to talk about, 
I knew that I had borderline personality disorder, but that's like saying you're schizophrenic. Bipolar is one thing. Like bipolar, being bipolar is that that sucks, and you know, and you know, God bless everyone that has it. Borderline personality disorder is like bipolar disorder on acid on a bad. It's 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 bipolar disorder on bad acid. Yeah, that's that's borderline personality disorder. And. And like, I never want to talk about it. Like, I just wanted it to go away. I wanted to hide it. But like, if I look back at the toll of damage that I've caused in my life because of mental health, because of whatever, it's extensive. Thinking about the relationships that I've had and I've just set, like, I just blew up. Just blew up. The first time I re the first memory I have of that of intentionally blowing up a relationship, I was seven years old. And I'm just seven years old. I wasn't seven years old. That's not true. I was in junior high, ninth grade, and I was playing basketball and I accidentally elbowed my friend in the in the mouth. And he had braces. And I ended up knocking out one of his braces. He was so mad he got threw the basketball at me. And and he told me he's like, fuck you. F you. And then I went back and I, you know, obviously I had to make it worse. He ended up leaving. That next night, he got in a car accident with his mom and, and died. But what was the point of that? So like that, that, like that, that happened. That was the first example but I had another relationship with somebody that I had worked with. There was a lot of miscommunication. And because I'm one of those people that if you tell me something, I don't know how many of you are like this, but if you tell me that you're going to do something, my brain obsesses on the fact that you're going to do it. It doesn't matter if you say, I'm going to rob a bank. It doesn't matter if you say, I'm going to church. It doesn't matter if you say, I'm only going to have one drink tonight. It doesn't matter if you're going to say, I'm going to have sex with your brother. Like, it could be anything. If you tell it to me, it could be that I'm, I'm, I'm going to have communion tonight. If you say that to me, I'm more curious if any of you are like this. I obsess. I, I, that, that is, my brain is locked onto that decision, and that's what has to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm a freaking maniac. Anyway, so I had one of these business relationships with that. Katie, how are you? Um, like I had I, I, like I, I had one of these relationships with somebody that is a celebrity. And I gotta tell you, like I kind of try to napalm that relationship because my head thought, you know, things were gonna be like not very understanding that life happens, not understanding that sometimes just things change. Or understanding that sometimes people just get so busy that they forget. But like militant about it. Man, I napalmed that relationship. And it was recent too. Like in the last year. But it's amazing when you when you when you meet like kind-hearted, nice people, people that are genuine. Came back around to say hello. And like, I've been watching you and I'm rooting for you. And I'm so happy that, you know, 
I'm like, well, first of all, she watches the show, which is weird and awesome. And it means a lot. But then to have them tell me that they believe in me after really the relationship was kind of napalmed. Like I napalmed it. Didn't want to, but it did because it's what I do. I'm working on that. So big shout out to Jane because that's tough. Um, Joe, do you feel the same way? Yeah, it's it's silly and it's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that that is like a thing. Okay, so I don't know how many of you heard me read a chapter of my book. Maybe I'm not going to read it again. No, not a chapter. It's three paragraphs. That's not a chapter. I'm really proud of it. I'm going to go crazy writing it. And I feel like I'm going to offend a lot of people too. I've talked about some really crazy stuff on the show. And the thing is, is the book is um, more revealing. I mean, it's all the same stuff, you know, but it's like the stories leading up to each of those things. And um, like, there's going to be a lot of people upset and mad. I mean, if they read it, it's like stupid, my ego, I'm assuming people are going to want to read it. <laughs> that is like, I, I think that anybody that's ever written a book, I think there's a closet fear of like, what if no one reads it? Here's the thing. I would read it. I would. I would because it's not, doesn't seem real. And I lived it. But it, and, and again, some of it, it's almost going to come across like a, it, there's no, like the one thing I want to be careful about is I don't want to glorify anything that I've done because it's not worth glorifying. But like some of the stories in the book, like are, you know, it, it, it's kind of like reading Motley Crue the Dirt, but uglier, like kind of uglier. You know, I didn't, and I can't even say I didn't get as crazy with drugs. But I got to tell you something, man. There was something like, believe it or not, I really use drugs to feel normal. And when I say feel normal, I wanted to make the nightmares in my head go away. And so if that meant... turn them into, you know, something to look forward to, a fantasy, whatever, I did it because the nightmares were worse, I told myself. God, I, I, I swear to you, I, I think about marriages like I had two marriages. I, the first one I had no business being in, but I had twins with her and my, my second wife, who's actually really cool. She's from a small town in Oklahoma. She was cool, but she had two kids and I, I wasn't fit to be a father, much less a stepfather. And I wasn't willing to be honest with myself. And if I was willing to be honest with myself, I could have been honest with other people to say, I really have no business marrying anyone, much less somebody with two kids. I could barely even take care of myself. 
I think about like going some of the times I went to jail for stupid stuff, like, you know, punching a cop. Well, it was a military guy and the cop was former military. So I got blamed for it, but really they attacked me, whatever. Think about the stupid DUI right after I got out of rehab. And at the same time, like with all of that stuff, like with, with, with all of the bad decisions that I've made, all of the bad decisions I've made, I can't look at any of it like, I wish I could take it back. Because I kind of feel like for the first time in my life, I'm like where I'm supposed to be. Even if that means with zero dollars in your bank account. Like I feel like I'm supposed to be here. I want to tell you guys something too. So I um so I had somebody watch my show the other day and he may he may even pop on at some point. And if you're watching, say something, because I I'm I'm about to say something nice about you. Um yeah, exactly, Richard. So somebody watched my show. You guys remember Joey, the the healthy donut guy? Amazing human being. He came on the show. And I got to be honest with you. Like he doesn't really fit gratitude unfiltered like the the edge of the show. Well, it you know, it, it does, but that vibe was different than what has been on the show in a long time. And, but I really like him. I'm a fan of his. I, I want to see him do extraordinarily well. I just believe in him. I think he's going to help a lot of people. I just think he's that guy. Um, but somebody watched that. His name's Mr. Eli. He watched that show. And he called me out of the blue. I didn't even know how he got my number. Oh, thanks, Brian. Um, but he called, and like I didn't know who he was, but he just called me after like he watched the show. Somehow found my number, and he's calling. It's like okay. Had a really interesting conversation with him. Really interesting. And then the second conversation I had with him over a Zoom, he brought up that he knew somebody that was a talent scout for radio and emceeing out of Las Vegas. So I'm an opportunist. I'm also, there's certain words that you can say around me that I'm going to perk up, whether in anger or joy or curiosity. There's certain words. Radio, MC, speaking, talent scout, those are words that I'm going to perk up. So anyway, he told me he had this connection. And so I end up getting that connection. And I called that connection, and I called him, and I called him, and um and text him and text him and finally he responded we scheduled a call for today at six o'clock after i got done emceeing i immediately texted him to find out if he was available he called i'm like going oh god like he may not call he may not call he may not call he may blow me off he may blow me off he may blow me off and you have to understand something like i can't get a radio station with me applying because I have no history in this business at all. I can't get them to listen to me. I can't get them to pay attention to me. They blow me off. I get the rejection email emails all the time. What's up, Stephen Gordon? 
Um, so this finding a talent scout is the very thing that I for the I have not had this opportunity since I was in college, and I've told you about the eating acid story and accidentally talking to that guy and whatever it fell through it never happened that was in college and if you haven't heard the story i'll tell about it sometime it's the first time i've talked to a talent scout somebody that actually can place me in a position to make my dreams come true as you know being a talk show host radio television being on stage bringing people out of the shadows that's my mission so i had a call with him I don't know what I was expecting. I kind of had my head that maybe he would be a jerk. He wasn't. He was super cool. I decided that instead of holding back and trying to be polished like I was in an interview, decided that I would just go, I'm going to show him <laughs> me instead. And um, so I just went for it because like this is my opportunity. Like it's going to come out eventually anyway, right? So I just let him have it. I don't know anything yet. I just know that I sent him video of me on stage and video of the show. It'd be amazing if he was watching now. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Anyway, I sent him all that stuff tonight. And it doesn't mean anything's gonna happen. It doesn't mean anything's going to happen at all, but it does mean that it's the closest I've been to making this come like this dream of mine come true. And the other thing is I really feel like I'm about to move. I just feel like I'm getting ready to leave. Like, I don't know if it's California. I don't know if it's leaving San Diego. I don't know, but I feel like it. And I don't want to get so full of hope that I, you know, set myself up because I've been let down a lot. I've gotten my hopes up. Like I remember raising money for the, the movie and I remember filming for TV a couple times. I remember going to New York and filming for Fox business and it never airing. Every like letdown, every time I thought that I was there, and I was done struggling financially, sometimes spiritually. Every time I thought I was almost there for the last four years, it's been a closed door. Everyone. Even when I think I'm about to get paid, finally, no. No. No, all failures. Like, it's so hard to try to like every job I look for, no, rejection. And God has gotten to the point where he's just made it so obvious. He's like, look, dummy, <laughs> quit looking. Just do what I called you to do. So I guess it's part of the reason I'm on here on Friday night. I'm in Beverly Hills, <laughs> could go do anything in the world, really. And I'm like, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I this is what I want to do. But this is the closest I've been. Like I just really believe that 
getting the opportunity to be behind a microphone and being exposed to other people around the world, sharing this message that I'll have the opportunity to be able to help people all, all over the world. And, and I'll be able to like legitimately bring people out of the shadows and like, I don't care about business. I don't want to be a sales guy. I don't want to go like get a sales job. I just want to do what I feel led to do. And if brands want to get behind me and want me to have them like to, to, to pitch them and to, to promote them and do commercials for them or do like, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'm good at it. Like I'm good. I'm a good pitch man. I love talking about what I believe in. I love it. And because of my experience with brands, you think anyone would want to sponsor the show because I know how to sell your product better than your own people do. But I'm not a sales guy. This is what I do. This is what I love to do. This is what I care about. This is what I dream about. I've done it since I was seven years old. Like sitting in the back of my dad's car, listening to him talk about the bands he toured with. You know, listening to the DJs talk and tell stories. Like, it's, it's what I care about. And God has removed so many things. I like to say out of the way, he's cleared a lot of brush and dead weight to the point where it's like, you just follow this path and don't turn, don't turn around. Just go. So the post that I wrote, you know, back like three days ago about saying I surrender, a hundred percent I surrender. And it's because I don't see any other way. It makes no sense. Like I haven't paid my rent. <laughs> I haven't. Like I'm behind on my rent. I don't know how I'm going to pay it next month. I don't have a clue. I've got a daughter in San Diego that's not staying with me. She's staying someone else. And um, like, but I can't afford to have her. Like, because I don't make any money. It's uh it's surreal. So what are my choices? Be all in and trust the trust in the very thing that I hinge my faith and my afterlife on or trust me because I can tell you one thing right now the more I've trusted me the more ditches I've been in the more pain I've caused people the more pain I've caused myself that's just straight up I, I don't save anybody. That's not my job. If if I inspire somebody to step out of the shadows or to shine a light on their shadow, and that helps them see that there's somebody that's there to love them and care for them and heal them from their hurt, if I empower others to do that, then I'm good with that. But I don't save anybody. I can't even save myself. That's just the truth.
Man, I've been on here a long time. All right, guys, I'll leave you alone. Man, everyone hung on for a long time. This is amazing. Um, the spirit works through me. I believe that. Setbacks are actually God's setups. I believe that. Yeah. You guys are, um, I love you, Stephen. Thank you. Brian, thank you for your support tonight. Uh, Devion, thank you. Devony, 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 thank you. Oh, Robert, thank you. Yeah, complete. Oh, I love you too. Maybe I could just keep talking. I don't know. No, I'll leave you guys. Um, listen, I say this a lot, but I want to keep reminding you every one of your shares, every time you share in this, this show, gets exposed to a new person. Like you are, you are contributing and making my dream come true because that person, I love you too, Jody. Thank you. That, that very, that very person, that one person that could see it could be the very person that sets the stage for me to do what I was called to do. So I, every share, I genuinely appreciate every comment, every like, every tagging of a friend, every sharing, those things that you do, every download of the podcast, that helps me. And it helps the mission that I'm on. And I'm grateful for you. So thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Bye.